A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. Happy New Year. Welcome to A Gay and a Non-Gay. We are five days into 2022, so we are going to put out a best of from last year. Yeah, it's going to give you some inspo for the year ahead because these are some of the most amazing, inspirational, iconic people we had conversations with in the last 12 months. Welcome to A Gay and a Non-Gay. Including Billy Porter, Fat Mike, Dustin Ants Black, Vanessa Feltz, Felicity Ward, Juno Dawson, Tom Allen. First though, one of my favourite chats last year was during LGBTQ Plus History Month. We invited power lesbian and historian Lisa Power onto the show and it was just after we'd been obsessing over It's a Sin on Channel 4, which has now been viewed more than 6.5 million times and has broken streaming records. If you haven't seen it, it was Russell T Davis' incredible show about the AIDS crisis. Lisa was actually the fact checker on the show so we had to start off by asking about it's a sin you can see how impactful it is because i'm still talking about it weeks weeks on from watching it all in one go and my mum is she's been sobbing it was actually like a week and a half ago (laughs) i know but it feels like it's filled our minds so much since then i literally have never ever seen a public reaction to a tv series like this i mean i thought the reaction to queer as folk when it happened was strong this is so big There are loads of stories coming out of the woodwork. I mean, I do think it's brilliant on social media that loads of people who were, you know, the Jills or the Roscoes or whoever from the series are now telling stories that nobody's been interested in listening to for the past three, four decades. And now they're telling them and people are seizing on them. I mean, I was very interested. I I had a pretty good idea from what I knew of the stuff I'd been asked to fact check Um, the bits of script that I'd seen, I knew this was going to be strong. I knew that my generation who'd had something to do with it would be dealing with with a lot of buried trauma. But I had no idea how young people might take it and whether people might be so sick of COVID that they wouldn't be interested or whether they would just think it was horribly exaggerated. But actually it's had a brilliant reception and people are really, really interested to find out what what Mm. went on. It's the first time anyone's been interested in that history who wasn't part of it. I have a few lesbian friends that I've seen on Twitter that wish there'd been a bit of an L focus in It's a Sin. Do you share those thoughts? Well, firstly, I mean, I'd spotted two lesbians in the show and apparently there's three. Um, There is, uh, admittedly, um, some of it got cut. There is a very short bit with what I think is blatantly, obviously, lesbian nurse. I mean, hello, butch. So so that's one bit. But the solicitor is a lesbian, And I clocked her as lesbian straight away. And, you know, people don't clock her as lesbian because she is a Muslim with a scarf. Wow. And I'm sorry, but that character was written as a dyke and played as dyke. Yeah, I I didn't spot that either. (laughs) And you're right, of course. That's before we even talk about compensation for testing my client's blood without permission. And there's a legal term for that too. Expensive. So, Lisa, you were a consultant on It's a Sin. How accurate do you think it turned out? The sets, the clothing, the music, everything 
is perfect. And so many people that I know who were alive then have just gone, wow. I was in the environmental health department, which tells you what they thought about HIV there in those days. And I remember having to always pretend when I went to the canteen that I was from social services because environmental health had condemned our own canteen. And you got less chips if you were from environmental health. (laughs) What, because of AIDS? Well, no, no, you got less chips because you were environmental health and they hated environmental health. Oh, I see. Not because there was no... Condemning their hygiene. No, no. Oh, I see. No, once people found out I worked in AIDS, they wouldn't go near me. I mean, I remember a woman friend of mine who was straight bringing a boyfriend, dragging him down to meet me one day for a gossip uh, in my house. And the moment he realised this was a gay household, he put his cup down and wouldn't touch anything in the room. And and I I had, you know, occasionally I would have someone who seemed to be quite interested in being my girlfriend until she found out I worked in AIDS and didn't even ask what I did. I mean, basically, I was in my job. I was shuffling papers around. The people with AIDS I knew were mostly in my private life um, and on switchboard. But the moment they found out that I had a label of a job, you know, they would back away and not be so interested suddenly in being my girlfriend. People were bizarre. They thought, seemed to think you caught it by osmosis. So as it's LGBT History Month, would yeah. you, and I, and I would love you to choose a lesbian, actually. Who is someone that we really need to recognise in queer history in this country that we don't really think about? There are so many. Everybody likes upper-class lesbians, so they go on and on about Vita Sackville West and, um, you know, Virginia Woolf and things. But let's have some more working-class dykes as well. And let's have some yeah. more butch dykes. <laughs> I love a good butch. Don't you love a good butch? <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't use that word. I wouldn't say the D word either. I'd be, I'd well, be worried you know, I'd offend someone. Honestly, I loved, I'm really interested in terminology because I've lived long enough to see it keep moving around. Mm. Um, and for most of my life, I'd have been slapped across the head for using the word queer. But it's the yeah. only thing that covers all bases. And, my and, friend doesn't like being called a lesbian. So if I called her a dyke, I think she'd really hate me. Well, <laughs> honestly, I think they're labels. They're stupid labels. I just bloody love all this youth stuff that's going on now where people, <laughs> people are recognising that labels are just labels. Uh, I'm obsessed with Lisa so much. Like, what a babe. Someone I'm obsessed with is Fat Mike from legendary punk band NoFX. Uh, oh, and no. we were lucky enough to have him on the podcast. I don't think either of us were prepared for how this one <laughs> turned out. But it's one of our favourites of the year. How do you identify, Mike? I'm a submissive fetish male. I'm more of a fetishist than anyone would believe. I like to call myself queer because I fucking get into all kinds of crazy business. You know, like uh, last full moon, uh, I have an outdoor sling, you know, in my house, fully tied up like a, uh, you know, a rubber damsel in distress while my girlfriend uh, pegged me, you know, while we we're both looking at the full moon. So, I you love know. this. <laughs> this is so amazing. That was uh, a Tuesday night for me. This is so great. So you... <laughs> Oh, just completely fluid. You're queer. You take it, give it, all of it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, I fuck my, my girlfriend too. Uh, I've never been sexual with a man before as far as like taking, you know, my, uh, you know, black fake cock. Yeah, I'm all for it. So you, you, you don't mind a plastic cock, but you don't, but you won't want to go near a... Uh... I don't want a plastic one, you know. That, fuck that. I want a rubber one. I don't know why I said plastic. I've never been near one. I just reached for plastic. Okay, so a... you've never had stuff shoved in your ass before. Seriously? Yeah, no, no. What the hell? You're not living. You're not living, Dan. Uh, not even a finger. No. Well, I don't. I don't really like people being behind me anyway. Like just well, you don't. Pure... You don't. You're not behind someone with your finger. You're not like 
sneaking up behind and sticking your finger in them. You know, it's while you're fucking someone, that's when they they put it behind you and, you know, get the prostate. Especially if you're drunk and you can't come, that's like the cum button. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just letting you two talk because this is so funny. We've talked and, about this before, I, Dan. I told you to try it in the shower. Did you do it in the shower? Yeah, I got, I got this thing on my toilet. It's a sprayer. It's a spray nozzle. And, you know, after you poop or anything, you just like, Toilet paper is really for heathens. Right, so it's like a douche, right? Yeah, but you don't have to go in. You can go inside, but you just, you know, spray the outside. It's like a bidet, but you hold it. It's like something you clean dishes with. Oh, I love that. You never have to shower because you just clean your your cock and nuts with that thing. Because I I hate showering. I shower like once a month. What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't like showering. I think it's uh, not something people should do, really. Unless, you know, you... uh, I don't know, work in a mine or something. But if you just go and live in the kind of life that, uh, you know, in the 20th century, why shower every day? It's just, it's weird. It seems like a waste of 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not shower after gigs and or before gigs? No, no, no. I've, I've gone 51 days without a shower on tour. What? <laughs> Yeah, wow. you are so funny. I think you're my favorite guest we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> you don't shower because that's a, wa- a waste of ten minutes. But isn't isn't getting tied up and uh, whatever isn't that a waste of ten minutes? Oh no 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 no. And and ten minutes. If you're getting tied up in ten minutes, you're not doing it right. It should take a good half hour. Right. Wow. Sex for me is a good three or four hours. You know, or we're gonna have, we're gonna have an evening having sex. There's uh, a lot of shit you got to do, and then intercourse. Or, uh, you know, 60, 90, that's just the, at the end. And then, you know, if you're allowed to come, that's that's a special treat too. Moving swiftly on to uh, to our Pride Month episode this year, and we really did, if I don't say so myself, have a star-studded lineup of guests across Pride Month. We were joined by Franco Stevens, who's the founder of Curve magazine. We have Radio 1 presenter Adele Roberts and Kate Holdness. And we're going to hear from three of our favourite interviews from that month right now. Yeah, first, we're going to hear from funny man Tom Allen, who took an interest in Dan's penchant for sourdough bread. Oh. I have this app where people... Um, who have excess food like sourdough will be like, oh, I've got a load of sourdough. Come and get it. So I was rinsing that during the <laughs> pandemic. It was that game changing. I've got a load of sourdough. Come and get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where do you live? Uh, like yeah. North London, Finsbury Park. Uh, what, so someone's just like throwing sourdough out of the window? Normally they'll leave it outside. Leave it outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a bin? Wherever's sort of hidden. So like behind bins is, is a good one. And that's a, you're not worried about like eating somebody else's food, you know, made in a non non hygiene regulated environment. No, so what it is, it's 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 like a legit thing. It's sure, it's nothing. It's not legit. So it's it's come from bakeries and places that have cooked too much. They've got hygiene ratings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they've got all this sourdough that's just going to go to waste if if people like me don't eat it. People like me. People like me. People, people like not, me. I think it's a noble idea, and I think it's an excellent way to prevent food wastage. What do you think, James? Honestly, I don't know what to say. I, I think Dan has enough money not to need to benefit from uh, <laughs> charity, but still likes to take free sourdough when it's available. But hang on. <laughs> there was a time... I'm just going to quickly tell this story. I want to hear it. Dan went to a food bank to donate and left with sourdough. <laughs> Because they had too much sourdough. And he was like, oh, are you sure? And they were like, yeah, have some. So took sourdough home. So he went to a food bank, skipped the queue because he was donating and then left with sourdough. I I, I said to the woman, there was a mountain of sourdough, a mountain of it. 
far so more than trendy, the, the, so trendy the, the, London. Far more than the amount of people in the queue. She yeah. said, "Do you want?" Some... I feel like there's something biblical about this as well. <laughs> Damn, we don't need this. No, she said, look, I I just want to get this straight with Tom. She said, do you want some sourdough? I said, no, 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 don't be silly. And she said, are you sure? And I said, are you absolutely sure that if I don't take it, it's going to go to waste? And she was like, yes. So I took the sourdough, one loaf, uh, maybe it was two loaves of sourdough. Two loaves. Two? Yeah, but it was going to go to waste otherwise. And that's not good, is it? Food wastage is a huge problem. But would you like toast it? I re-oven it. Re-oven it. Yeah. Again, an expression I've never heard before. To re-oven. <laughs> or re- re-bake, if you like. It's not charity because it, it's not... If it, if it was well, taking... not when you're involved, no. <laughs> if I was, if I was yeah. taking from a food bank... <laughs> robbery, isn't it? If I was like pretending that I've got no money, and but this app is just for anybody. It's like whoever wants whatever, it's going to go to waste, come and get it. I've given away stuff on it before. Not sourdough, because I don't have sourdough. Because I, I would always... Yeah, of course, you don't have sourdough to spare. <laughs> but I suppose I would be like... In my mind, I'd be like um, sealed items would be more something I'd be more comfortable collecting. But the idea of like a sourdough loaf that somebody's made, who who are they? But it's it's reputable. It's from bakeries that are reputable. Oh, it is from bakeries. Yeah, Yeah, from bakeries. Oh, I thought it was some trendy person in Finsbury Park. Mm. making sourdough every day because they've got nothing else to do and then being like I've got so much sourdough please collect it I'll leave it by the bin <laughs> that... and you were just going around to somebody's house and collecting a sourdough like a sort That's... of hipster grinder like a sort of hipster carb based grinder mm. the opposite of grinder that does happen as well Tom <laughs> so there is occasionally people are like I've, just, I've made too much dinner like I can't get rid of this or th- I tell you what happens a lot I've ordered the takeaway I'm a vegan and like a load of chickens turned up so like I need to get rid of it that kind of stuff happens quite a lot oh my god I'm sorry to be so dismissive of it of course you know I'm not one to be cynical but um, all I was concerned about was like these people you're getting their food from have they got clean fingers that was my only thought but it sounds like it's all, all in hand. I think I would think so because I think I think if you're the kind of person that does this, which is it relies on people going to the place, you know, collecting the food and then distributing it to whoever wants it. I think if you're that kind of person, you're probably oh, so you're a conduit. You don't take it for yourself. I take it for myself, but other, okay. But there's there is a conduit in the middle, yeah, that's gone to Gales at the end of the day, taken all the sourdough. And we'll distribute it to whoever wants it. And I think that kind of person... This is a gay and a non-gay with Tom (laughs) Allen, our special guest this week. I think that kind of person is inherently a good person and is therefore going to wash their hands. That's fine. I don't want anybody to think I'm making fun of the overall intention behind this. I think it's very noble. I'm more fascinated with Dan just collecting bread out of people's bins (laughs) (laughs) that they've made in maybe clean kitchens, maybe not. That's what I perceive. Or indeed, Dan, as we've established, Dan going to a food bank to donate and and also collect. Dan's <laughs> also attended a blind yoga class for blind people, but that's that's for another day, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Allen there, thinking, why the hell has my agent booked me on this podcast? We were also joined by Willem and Latrice Royale last year, and they spilt so much tea about what goes on behind the scenes on RuPaul's Drag Race and the contracts the Queen signed. So, did you guys watch the um, the Bussy Queen YouTube like contract video? Did, I yeah. mean, what were I your feelings it, on that? Everything was right. It, it's one of those things where. You have to decide what you're going to do. If you're given the opportunity, it might be the biggest shine you ever get in your life, but you're going to be shackled to do exactly what three men, three cis men who don't do drag want you to do. So wow, it's, it's a, 
pick which hand and then hope for the better one. Basically, when signing this form, you're now legally obligated to participate in up to six seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race if chosen to do so. It says that the producer may exercise any of the additional series options no later than the date that is four years after the initial exhibition of the final episode in the immediately preceding cycle. This means for up to four years after the finale of the season that you most recently appeared in, the producers can call you back at any time and let you know that they would like you to appear in a future season. And each subsequent participation in a future cycle resets that four-year clock. I guess your contract was very different. Oh, yeah. They weren't in on the profit of what they could do with these girls back then. They wow, were behind right. They were behind the curve on it. And so now, as a, in recent years, they realize what they could actually do. And so they implemented it. And so now they... They have input on who and what management companies you can go yeah. to and who you can work with. And, and it's just all too much. And so for me, we are boss bitches. We have always been boss bitches. We have been taking <laughs> care of us since the beginning. And so for someone to come tell me what I can and cannot do ain't gonna fly. This is no. what I love. Like, I wanted to know that seeing you in Death Drop. I kind of didn't like the thought of someone else taking all your money. I mean, every other reality show, American Idol, uh, Project Runway, they all have those strings attached and they always have. World of Wonder is just finally catching up to it. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the world just doesn't know about all the things, but like there's reasons that people have been in decade long contract disputes because they started on a reality show. It's not like there's some evil oligarch, but they are benefiting off the backs of the queens and not sharing any of the profits with them. The pay from season four that we did compared to season 13 has gone up $100 and that's it. What? It's, it's $500 an episode. You don't make money off repeats, which is standard in reality television. But like at this point, they can afford to pay these girls who are breaking their asses and coming out of the show in debt, even if they're mm -hmm. top four and they're choosing not to. Just like on the BBC one, it's like when you can do better and you don't, mm. you have to wonder about the motivations. And why isn't RuPaul saying, hey, pay my girls? She don't give a fuck either. I love her for everything that she's done, but she doesn't even know most of our names unless she really loves you or she really hates you. She knows Lil Wayne. She knows Latrice's name too. Fabergé Lane. For very different reasons, as you can tell, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum on that one. Fascinating stuff. <laughs> Say it like you mean it. <laughs> it is, that is genuinely fascinating. I know, once. I just found your delivery funny, but you're right, it is fascinating. Also in Pride Month, we were joined by the legendary film director, Dustin Lance Black. We had such an interesting conversation with him. Here he is talking about his role in the fight for marriage equality in the US. There are things that we hold in common regardless of our political stripes. And I actually think that without that space, without the room that those conversations create, there will be no coming back together. And I don't think the world can take these divisions growing any deeper. This is necessary work or we're all in a bunch of fucking trouble. You were obviously on the, the front line of um, fighting for marriage equality in, in the US. Um, was this your mm. approach to, to dealing with people then or is this something that you've learned from that? I was just praying to meet someone named Tom Daly and one day take advantage <laughs> of our win. <laughs> um, that fight was really a test of this philosophy 
and I can't take full credit for it at all. I mean, it was a group of us that did that. It was, uh, I think, Chad Griffin, who was the head of our foundation. Uh, he and I had this conversation about like, well, just to win it, because the law is on our side and science is on our side and the constitution's on our side, which we believe, if we do that without explaining ourselves, without bringing people along with us, without changing people's hearts and minds, we may win the case and lose the battle and lose the war. We may just end up creating a, we might be able to get married, but we're creating a bigger backlash that might, makes it more dangerous to be gay in, in, in the United States at least. And so we started to tailor the public relations side of that political legal campaign towards those who are the hearts of most of families in America, and particularly the hearts and minds and leaders of most Southern families where the numbers were most difficult to move, and that's the moms. Men can say they run the, the home and they'd like to say that down in the South in America, but that's BS. It's the moms, it's the women. And we really started to target mothers and, and not with politics and not with those sort of debates about science and the law, but with stories of kids from those areas, real stories, with the hope that those would be heard and understood by mothers who might have queer children themselves, um, or at least no neighbors who have had queer children, and that that might start to shift hearts. True stories have the power to dispel all kinds of myths and strange lies that have start to feel more solid over time, though they're still not true. And uh, these stories have the power to shatter, to move hearts. And I, I say it time and again, those changed hearts, particularly throughout the South, where we needed to change hearts the most, started to shift minds. And when the mothers in those homes start to fight or debate or bring those stories into the dining room at night, then you have the potential to change a whole bunch of hearts in a family, a whole bunch of minds. And what we saw happen in the United States, which was almost as moving as the big win, were the numbers moving so incredibly quickly in, in, in the polling toward marriage equality. And in fact, this impossible goal we had made that we wanted a majority of Americans to be in favor of marriage equality by the time this case reached the Supreme Court, well, we reached that goal. And we reached that goal in every state in the United States by telling stories, sharing stories, I think the law was on our side, and I'm glad the Supreme Court agreed with us. But those stories, that's what made the difference. I believe it. I don't know that you can convince me otherwise. And if you were paying attention, you know that we've also won just a few months ago at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And I was so excited when that happened. I just wanted to race to the phone and call my big brother and say, my God, we are one step away. We are one step away from the US Supreme Court where my freedom will be your freedom, where my hope is your hope, my liberation is yours. But I couldn't, I couldn't. Because two weeks earlier, my brother lost his battle with cancer and he died. And he will never know that feeling of liberation. He will never know that feeling of hope and freedom that we all feel. He'll never know what it feels like to be a full American. Do you know why I'm here tonight? I am here tonight because that has to end. Welcome back to a gay and a non-gay. I'm James. I use hairspray. That's Dan. He doesn't have any hair products. 
My hair's quite short. Right now, we are reliving some of our favourite conversations from 2021. And by summer, Dan had become friends with Vanessa Feltz. So I hassled and hassled and hassled him to finally invite her on the podcast. I actually want to know, because you work with Dan as well, and obviously we all know, listeners to this show know Dan works at the BBC. He likes to mention that a lot. Um, What's it like working with Dan? Spill the tea (laughs) on working with Dan. What can I tell you? What can I tell you that I can disclose in this public arena? <laughs> I mean, the fellow's habits, his personal peccadilloes, you might want to check the spelling of that, his his strange kind of passions and foibles and idiosyncrasies. I, I don't know if I can inflict them on the wider public. He is a, let's put it this way, he's a curious personality. He is a <laughs> degenerate in many ways he is uh i don't know if he's a syndrome or if he's uh i don't know if he's not well at the moment i don't know what's the matter with the guy what is the matter with him i don't know something wrong dan do you do you want to answer i i I didn't know you had these these thoughts about me vanessa what what way am i a degenerate (laughs) you know how you communicate in the radio studio he sits in one studio over there behind glass i sit in another one on my own behind glass and if i want to speak to him i push a button and i say something i usually say something like which line is the caller coming through on i mean it's really something innocuous, <laughs> deadly boring, incredibly pedestrian. So I push the button and I say in my most understated routine office voice, hi, Dan, which which line is the caller coming through on? And this is what he does. I push the button and he goes like this. <laughs> jumps and recoils in terror and shock as if I have electrocuted him or sent some enormous <laughs> monotone cocktail through the line. And all I've said is, which line is the caller coming through? The fellow goes white, he blanches, he looks like he's going to vomit, he puts his head in his hands. And that's all I've said to the guy. What's the matter with him? What is the matter with him? I just, I get a jump very, very easily. Like and That's what I'm saying. I'm on I'm on tent hooks all the, all the time. Every time I walk down the street. Can I tell you there's something? He's not quite 100%. He's not. <laughs> No, I agree. I, I think so too. And also, and also, I don't want to get really personal, but have you ever had the misfortune to drink a cup of tea prepared by him? No, I am insulted. What's wrong with the tea? It's like putty. It's like granite. It's like cement. <laughs> it, it takes a long time to arrive. And when it does, you wish it hadn't. I always knew that Dan's tea was crap. And now you've confirmed that. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Two things. It takes a long time because I'm going to wash my hands first because of COVID. I'm just being extra, extra okay. safe. That's why it takes a long we'll time. Take a, we'll take a quick break <laughs> on a game in Ongay whilst these two sort their problems out. And we'll be right back with Vanessa Feltz. I'm going to take a slight swerve here and ask you a more journalistic question, Vanessa. At the minute, as you're aware, the government have a real lack of action on the conversion therapy ban. Do you have any insight on why that would be? Like, why are they taking so long? And and what are your thoughts on it? My thoughts are that it's appalling. um, But my thoughts are that it's not just this government. It's not really a particularly political issue it's it's been a something that that has been ignored marginalized by a succession of governments and i think that's absolutely devastating i mean i cannot see any reason at all any sound reason or possible justification for not you know moving all possible hindrances to stopping this because it's 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 abusive it is it is i mean it's absolutely contemptible it's disgraceful that it should be allowed to continue in any form whatsoever and it's disgraceful that it should be legitimized and it's disgraceful that it you know it hasn't been outlawed exposed punished condemned 
vigorously, you know, on front pages and by politicians of all different persuasions. So, you know, I, 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 I no, I don't have any insight as to why. Uh, and I think this is a really appalling sin of omission and it needs to be atoned for and it needs to be rectified. And it's absolutely urgent. Every day that goes by is a crime against humanity, really. And it's a very vulnerable part of humanity and, and often a, a part of humanity, you know, least equipped to, to, to fight it. It's really appalling. No, I don't know why. And, and I and I can't say anything amusing about it because it's so so appalling, bad. You um, nearly made me cry. <laughs> you just went, you just kept going, and I was like, okay, I'm. This isn't okay. I'm gonna go. Well, it's just awful, isn't it? Awful. Yeah. Yeah. No. Awful. I suppose it's some. I suppose it's an issue that you know, the overwhelming majority of people don't have to address, they don't have to confront, they may never think of it, they may simply not be aware of it, they may, you know, they may really be ignorant of the fact that it goes on. And if they were to be pointed out to them, clearly they would be horrified, but they just don't really know. And so they don't they don't attempt to galvanise MPs or anything into action. And I suppose that must be a failure. We, we need to get it out there and we need to make it known, don't we, so that people will feel motivated to act on it. That's Vanessa Feltz there. Uh, big news in the last week, by the way. She is now on Instagram. Uh, you can see her at Vanessa Feltz official. She's not following you, is she? She's not following me at the minute, no. I've got to... I don't know if she knows my details. Right. Vanessa also joined us at our big gay show at Underbelly Festival in London last September. Where we were also joined by the cock destroyer Sophie Anderson and Felicity Ward, who revealed to us this big secret. I saw, um, I saw on Twitter that you've been learning to skateboard. I have. How's that going? <laughs> I do, uh, look, I, I, don't, I don't know. Okay, I haven't even told my mother-in-law this, but uh, the joke is... Um, I bought a skateboard, which is to say I came out as bisexual about four months ago. Um, That's well, amazing. Did, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> I didn't know that. My mother-in-law, my, my parents don't know. Yay. I just prefer to do things on podcasts. Um, <laughs> it's the, it's it's the only way. No one's going to hear it. Yeah. No, <laughs> lots of people. My parents will not hear it. I'll say that. Um, they, and they're not, they're not homophobic. It's just, you know, when you're like, I can't have the conversation with you right now. You're going to make me deal with your stuff. And I just. I don't have the bandwidth for, for that. Yeah. So, have you have you had a chance to try out being bisexual? Um, not for a very very long time, and I think that that's sort of why I probably thought we've got a walkout. Yeah, <laughs> homophobe. I, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. Also, I probably mean pansexual, but I'm Gen X, so we're still holding on to bisexual. We're like we mean pansexual, but it just feels like a word for the young kids. <laughs> Uh, do you know what I mean? So I'm skateboarding and I'm open to women. Um, it's, been, it's been a really big year. Um, I mean, not physically, but emotionally and sexually in my head I am. I'm in a loving, committed relationship. It's my fourth anniversary yesterday. So hey, congratulations. What, I mean, what a sweaty, rambling mess this last two minutes has been. So skateboarding, um, <laughs> yeah, it really hurts. Um, I like it. I feel very cool doing it. Yeah. Can you? Do, what can you do? Can oh, you... nothing. I fell off, but <laughs> I can. I can go back and forth. I can run and put my skateboard down and jump on it and ride. I mean, I can't even do that. So that's that's impressive. Thank to me. you very much. Can you skate? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> I can't even do that. Have you tried? Absolutely not. No, I have tried. I have tried numerous times. Like. 10 years ago or whatever yeah, right. but I was too scared about jump I was too scared that I would break the skateboard 
Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's how it works. I think that they design it so that you break, not the skateboard. Right, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're sa- like, the board is safe. Don't worry about that. That's very sweet, but wrong. But, yeah, I have a tendency to break things quite a lot. I ended up chopping a chopping board in half once. And like, yeah. Are you the Hulk and you just... No, I'm not. Like, I'm really not. She doesn't know I don't have any strength. upper body strength at all. I must just well, have no, a... I mean, without being rude, that was my assumption too. So I'm like, how are you... I don't know. Where is this inner strength coming Maybe from? Maybe it's just cheap. Everything's cheap and it's just breaking. Everything's that's, cheap. That's, that's... A cho- even a cheap chopping board. Was it made of wood or Yeah, plastic? it was wood. It was wood. Did you have an axe? No, just like, just a... Just a butter knife, just actually. <laughs> just a butter knife. Do you know what I love about this podcast so much? Is It's just an excuse to attack straight people. It's and really, it feels You've just good. got into this so perfectly. Well, I mean, I'm new to the queer community, so it feels really good <laughs> to hate on straight people. It really... <laughs> I used to be straight. Don't, don't feel bad about it. <laughs> Maybe your time will come. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if I ever realised that skateboarding equals bisexual. Did you know that? I think it was a joke. Yeah, but it's based on a stereotype, isn't it? Uh, yeah, like this podcast. Um, so 2022 was... <laughs> but all I'm <laughs> saying is I didn't know about that stereotype. That's news to me. And I spent uh, a lot of time in skate parks. Make sure you listen to our big gay show in full to hear more from Vanessa Feltz, Felicity Ward and Sophie Anderson. It is a ride. 2021 was obviously awful for trans people, but we were delighted for the first time to invite a guest back onto the podcast. Gino Dawson is one of my favourite people on this planet. One of the most incredible, insightful women we've ever spoken to. And she joined us back in 2018, but we welcomed her back this year for International Women's Day. You know, I tried to keep my social medias in particular very, very professional now. Um, Sometimes I talk about trans stuff. Particularly, I try to celebrate where my trans friends are doing really, really well. Um, and, and to celebrate the great things that are doing and, and to push good art like Pose or Euphoria or novels by trans people or trans poetry or, you know, Travis Alabanza, whose plays are so good. You know, Overflow and Burgers were phenomenal. And, you know, I'm so, I feel so lucky to be alive at the same time that Travis Alabanza is making art, you know. And let's talk about that instead of getting into like little slappy matches about Mr. Potato Head isn't gender neutral. Mr. Potato Head is a man. Like, what? (laughs) I'm so happy for Potato Head. (laughs) I mean, Potato Head, get your life. But those kind of things really boil my piss because do you know what? They know what they're doing. Some craven PR monster in a firm somewhere in London was like, I'll tell you what gets in the news making things gender neutral and and of course what they don't realize is that there is huge fallout for us i mean luckily because now i'm zero tolerance i was not asked to go on the news to talk about (laughs) mx potato head but you know there was some some, somebody actually somebody lowered themselves to go on good morning britain today to talk about mx potato head and i'm just like why would you do that why are you getting involved in this absolute bin fire when trans people are waiting three years for a referral. That's what we should be talking about. And that's something that we can do as allies as well, is that when they try to engage us in these conversations about gender-neutral potato heads, you say, oh, I'm sorry, I think we should talk about the fact that trans people have to wait three years for a first appointment on the NHS. James, did you hear that? No more tweets from our, or Instagrams from our account about Mr. <laughs> MX Potato Head, please. Wow, you just misgendered Potato Head, Dan. Sorry. You know what, though? It, would you rather a potato got the heat 
than trans people because it's just a potato. But it comes back to trans people because it comes back to your war on woke. So despite right. the fact that no trans person in the world was asking for a gender neutral potato head, the headlines in the papers will read woke activists. Transgender activists demand that Mr. Potato Head is gender neutral. When, of course, what we're demanding is swift healthcare and legal recognition and access to a new birth certificate. And so I think actually always circling back to the needs of the community are one of the best things that an ally can do. I hope that awful PR person who came up with this gets shingles or something because they don't get the clap back we get the clap back and it's exhausting and boring so i hear what you're saying about just ignore people and that's sort of what i do but what if you've got a really good comeback i think the old saying that don't roll in the mud with pigs you'll both get dirty and only the pig will like it yeah that's a good shout someone actually messaged us some i don't know it's nonsense i think it was transphobia i don't know it could have been anything and James replied saying, oh, thanks, I've just made a donation to mermaids in your name. And the guy said, oh, thanks. Yeah, that, well, that's, again, po- positive action. Turn, turn a negative into a positive. Absolutely. I'm going to delete the potato head post. <laughs> a gay and a non-gay. I think one of the most amazing moments we shared this year was the Billy Porter. Yeah, I was supposed to be in Leeds on the day that this happened but then james managed to sort out somehow biddy porter coming up coming on so uh when you've got someone like biddy porter lined up you literally drop everything to make it work so we did what an episode what a man and here he is opening up to us about his decision to come out as hiv positive i understood that it was going to need to come out and i was going to do it in my book and i was talking to my publicist and we were just going through the year this was probably about march i guess and pose I was shooting pose and you know so I'm just going through the list and I was like that that xyz blah 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 October my book comes out I'm gonna come out HIV positive in the book and I was ready to move on and he was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa hold on hold on hold on okay and what he said and I'm so grateful to have a team but he gave me some really really wise advice and he said listen the instinct to reveal this in the book is right if you weren't already who you are. You know, the last two years you've skyrocketed to being an A-list celebrity because of your honesty, your truthfulness, and your authenticity. And so, unfortunately, if you play Pray Tell on a show about the AIDS crisis and your character dies of AIDS in June, and you, Billy, don't come out as HIV positive till October, the cancel culture press is gonna come after you. They just will. It's not fair, it's not right, but they will. You have to do this right now. And I was like, okay, I mean, it was just a six, it was just six months earlier. You know, I was already planning on doing it. It was 14 years of holding it in. And then my team, you know, Simon and Ryan Murphy, you know, God bless the both of them makes me very emotional and sorry, but, you know, they really took care of me. You know, they really, um, you know, what I call did a big splashy, take no prisoners, take control of your own narrative, Hollywood rollout for me. It was a big Hollywood, I'm taking control of this narrative rollout. Um, And I think it changed the game for everything. I have never felt freer. You know, I don't. 
carry around that shame anymore. Um, and uh, now the work is um, leaning into joy. Oh, Ooh, I didn't realize this was going to make me so emotional today. <sighs> you know, realizing that I've never experienced joy. You know, I've never experienced pure, unadulterated joy, free from shame until right now in my life. And so right in this very moment. And I am I am so grateful for that. I really, really am. Oh, y'all got me all. Oh, Betty, stop. <laughs> emotional. Honestly, I am. Wow. Morning in London. I'm not this <laughs> It's the jet lag. You know, you asked. You asked. Please listen to our full interview with Billy Porter. Search Again and On Gay, Billy Porter. Thank you so much for listening to Again and On Gay in 2021. Thanks for listening, for donating to our Patreon, coming to see us live. Thanks if you listen to us on the radio when we come up to Graham Norton, lol. Uh, thank you if you've seen our recent BBC documentary, Sashay to Hell, which, lest we forget, is out in the UK now on iPlayer. Support us on Patreon as well, gayandongay.com forward slash donate. Yes, we've got loads of tiers online and you can get ad-free episodes of our podcast, gainongay.com forward slash donate. I cannot even imagine what 2022 will bring us, but I know that we'll be all right if we do it together. So yay, see you soon. That's right. emotional, isn't it, Dan? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Classic response. Bye, yeah, see you. It was all right. <laughs> see you next week. Uh, thanks for listening, babes. Do the admin and support a gay and a non-gay Visit gaynongay.com slash donate.